Welcome to CMA Talks, a podcast for the small ensemble music community, brought to you by Chamber Music America, the national network of ensemble music professionals. My name is Nicole Knight, and I'm the Director of Operations at CMA, and I'm very excited to welcome you to the third season. In this episode, we'll hear from Rod Vester as we delve into the article he wrote in the summer 2021 issue of Chamber Music Magazine. That issue is available now at chamber-music.org. Rod Vester is a pianist, music educator, researcher, and entrepreneur. He serves as the Director of Contemporary Music and Assistant Professor of Music at Shenandoah Conservatory in Winchester, Virginia. You may also recognize Rod from our 2021 virtual conference, where he presented the session, Silence is Not an Option, Giving Voice to BIPOC Composers. Thanks for being here, Rod. Thanks for having me here today. Let's jump right in. You've written an article for Chamber Music Magazine titled, The Dangers of Returning to a Monochromatic Arts World. Can you talk a little bit about the urgency of this article and this topic for you? Yes, absolutely. So months into this global pandemic, there was a loud cry for racial uh, justice that erupted around the country and the world. And we saw protesters take to the streets, demanding an end to systemic racism, as well as police brutality. Uh, and this really forced the United States to confront the racism of its past and present. And also during this time, uh, there were many arts organizations, um, institutions, orchestras, and individuals that issued solidarity statements. And, you know, many committed to proactively identifying, cultivating, and recruiting people of color, as well as engaging in conversations with diverse individuals, partnering with organizations that support emerging leaders of color in the field, as well as providing bias and anti-racism training and resources to their employees. So as I read many of these statements and even helped some organizations draft statements, um, I was reminded of something that my seventh grade math teacher, Ms. Bund, would always tell me, and that was show your work. So I am hoping that this article will remind people to show their work. This topic resonates with me um, on both a personal and professional level. On a personal level, I grew up between two different worlds, uh, affluency and urbanism. I would often ask my parents why my friends in the inner city uh, didn't have access and opportunities to the same things my friends in the suburbs had. Um, you know, this was a question I wrestled with a lot growing up. Um, and at an early age, I understood that poor circumstances for some would um, and could negatively affect their academic progress, uh, achievement, and overall outcomes. And so this stark dichotomy uh, really developed a passion and commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And on a professional level, I most recently um, served as the executive director of PRISM Ensemble in Memphis, Tennessee. And there I spent a great deal of time creating, uh, planning and implementing curricula, programs and educational opportunities through an equity lens for young budding musicians there in Memphis, Tennessee. It's PRISM's mission to build diverse community through chamber music education, youth development and performance. So a good chunk of my career, um, you know, especially this past, these past five years have been around uh, pushing out of this monochromatic arts world. Thank you. Your passion and care on this topic really come through. 
In the article, you write that the culture of an organization needs to be based on a strongly held and widely shared belief that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are both indispensable and a priority. What do you think are the most important steps toward achieving this? Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging must be woven into the fabric of the organization. You know, these initiatives are not standalone activities, but activities that everyone must embrace. Um, you know, culture is driven by values, beliefs, and behaviors. And so these values and beliefs, you know, really define the proper way to behave within the organization, which is why diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging must be woven into the fabric of the organization. So when you align strategy and processes with culture, things can change, right? And so you must, you know, embed these efforts into the mission, the vision, the goals, and the objectives of the organization. Um, the leader or leaders of the organization themselves must also see diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging as a non-negotiable. And those same leaders, you know, must be held accountable for driving uh, progress and outcomes, you know, the, the, but also the work is not solely on the leaders. Uh, every individual must understand their role in organizational culture. So no matter what position you hold uh, in an organization, you can lead from where you are. Another step is that there needs to be a line item in the organization's budget for coaching, not necessarily training around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging initiatives. Um, and in my mind, training brings about awareness, but coaching, I believe, can bring about changes in behavior. And so we want, you know, we want the awareness, yes, but we also want change in behavior. The argument that we often hear is there's so much information out there. I don't even know where to start. So what advice would you give to those who are just looking for a jumping off point? I say start by learning. Learn uh, not only the terms, diversity, equity, uh, inclusion and belonging, but learn why they matter. So invest in learning about the work, then reflect on your learning. Uh, then in enter conversations, you know, change, uh, change happens one conversation at a time. Um, but, you know, just don't talk, but, you know, have action uh, after you engage these conversations. And also, you know, put yourself in situations where you will meet people of other races, ethnicities and cultures. Um, and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Right. So, you know, if you say or do something that is insensitive, you can learn something from it. You know, so so ask the affected person, you know, what bothered or um offended them, you know, apologize and then go on building relationships. You know, don't let, you know, guilt uh, bog you down and keep you from making uh, progress. Right now, most people are focusing on recovery and getting into a new normal. And do you caution in your article about not returning to a new normal where the voices of musicians, leaders and composers of color are implicitly or explicitly omitted? As arts organizations and ensembles adapt to the next phase of the pandemic and eventually a post-pandemic world, how can they ensure that these values remain priorities moving forward? So, yes, I would say that you must operate as if diversity, equity and inclusion 
are a basic um, physiological and societal need, similar to how belonging is a basic need and an emotional outcome that people want and desire. So I think you must see differences as necessary ingredients to make your organization or your institution or ensemble thrive. Um, So, you know, differences aren't deficiencies, right? And so you also must continue to monitor and evaluate your goals and objectives towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. So your strategies uh, should become lived and not just words, you know, on a page or something that you submitted for a grant application. Um, so you must also, I would say, keep various groups, you know, diverse groups at the center of the conversations um, and also at the center of planning and implementation. So, you know, when cultural groups join forces, they will be more effective in reaching common goals than if each group uh, operated, you know, in isolation. So, you know, the people affected by decision must be involved in formulating solutions. So, yes, you know, again, you must operate as if diversity, equity, and inclusion are a basic physiological and societal need. So as we all take on roles as audience members, how can we determine if other organizations are following through on their DEI commitments? Or to put it another way, how can organizations show their work? That's a great question. Audiences can follow the money. (laughs) Um, Organizations spend money on what's important to them. Um, So if audiences know that an organization made commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, um, then this should be visible, right? You should be able to see these changes. Um, So, you know, if you attend a concert and the music hasn't changed, um, you know, but that particular organization said they would perform music by BIPOC composers, Um, then I would say contact the organization, Uh, write a letter, send an email, uh, call, you know, the the executive leader, Um, you know, and and ultimately, you know, and I hate to say this, but, you know, stop supporting that organization, you know, Um, you know, stop spending money there. You know, if there's an organization that they're saying one thing and doing another thing, um, then I think ultimately you have to, you know, make a decision whether you want to support that organization or not, Uh, especially if this is something, you know, important to you. And how can we support the ones that are genuinely following through on these commitments? Um, You can support organizations by donating money, um, by donating your time, resources and supplies. Um, You can, you know, uh, sign up for uh, to become a recurring donor. That's even better. (laughs) I know I really appreciate it when people did that. Um, You can also start a personal fundraising page for organizations um, that you believe in and support. Uh, And then also, you know, word of mouth. You can, um, you know, encourage others to support um, these organizations organizations that are actually doing the work around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So earlier this year, you presented at our 2021 virtual conference a session on programming BIPOC composers, and this is something that you also address in the article. So what are some strategies on doing this effectively, and what are the less effective ways you've seen it done? 
Yes, um, I'll try to stay off my soapbox here. <laughs> but what I will say is the once a year projects, you know, must cease. And what I mean is, you know, performing music by black composers only on MLK Day or during Black History Month, th that must stop. Performing music by women composers only during the month of March um, for Women's Month must cease. Um, you know, performing music by Hispanic or Latino composers only during September, October or Hispanic Heritage Month. Again, it must stop. This music should be performed year round, you know, so it should become a part of your repertoire, um, you know, and also, you know, simply adding BIPOC composers to your repertoire with no real inner work uh, and understanding around what diversity, equity and inclusion, what it really is, you know, it does a disservice to you and everyone else, you know, so you, you know, you will need to discuss and address some inner kind of structures and systems um, so that you when you program uh, music by BIPOC composers, it will be presented with integrity, research, knowledge, empathy, and uh, authenticity. You know, and, and and lastly, you know, do some more digging. Um, I feel like there's been a laziness um, that's been occurring uh, in our industry around repertoire, right? Uh, there's there's kind of been these just, I guess, copycats, um, you know, with people just, you know, performing Florence Price, William Grant Steele, George Walker. I'm not saying stop performing these composers. What I'm saying is that there are many other Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are composers. So I, I just ask that, you know, um, you know, you do more, more research, right? And again, commit to performing music by BIPOC composers. Um, and, and have a percentage that's it's something that you can actually measure during your season, right? Um, because again, if you don't have measurable um, goals and objectives, then you, you can't track your success or lack thereof. What would you like people to keep in mind as they do this work? Yes, I would say none of us asked to be misinformed about race and ethnicity as children. You know, none of us asked to be, um, you know, taught to dislike others because they looked different from us. You know, we didn't ask to be taught um, to be racist, you know, if, if you're racist, right? Um, you know, but now, you know, your blinders have been lifted. And now that you have seen the light, you know, <laughs> you have a greater responsibility to ensure that racism and spaces devoid of people of color do not remain. Um, so, you know, you are all responsible. We are all responsible for knowledge, for the knowledge that we gain. And, you know, and because of that, we must become excellent stewards of that knowledge. You know, so, you know, my parents used to say, you know, when you know better, you do better. Right. Uh, and I and I add to that, that, you know, you also if you know better, you should do better and be better. So no longer can you know, you say I didn't know. Right. Um, you know, you, you are aware of of the inequities that exist in the arts in our field. So now is the time for you to get to work, um, because if you don't people of color will continue to suffer. And so always know that, you know, um, inaction is an action. So, so please get to work. You have this quote in the article that I really love, so I'm just going to read it. It says, how beautiful would it be to walk into a concert hall and see a racially and ethnically diverse audience? How beautiful would it be for those audience members to look at the stage and see a racially and ethnically diverse group of performers? 
Can you say more about what equity in the arts would look like in a perfect world? It would look like an absence of things, um, an absence of movements, an absence of protests, uh, an absence of these solidarity statements that we saw um, last year. Um, organizations that are fighting for such causes as this would no longer be needed. Um, um, also, you know, it would look like all people being honored advanced and celebrated. Um, it would look like an absence of white supremacy, uh, certainly. It would look like the uh, elimination of barriers, systemic and otherwise, that prevent certain people from uh, full participation. And also it would be uh, you know, an absence of these types of conversations, right? We would not have to have these conversations um, you know, in a perfect world um, it, where, where you know, equity in the arts was, was a thing. Um, it also also, myself and others that fight for such causes could spend our mental energy on other important subject matters. Yes, that's certainly something to aspire to. Thanks for being here today, Rod. Where can our listeners follow you or learn more about what you do? You can follow me on Instagram, where I post content to help musicians develop skills on and off the instrument. Uh, my handle on Instagram is at Rod Vester. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, where I post long form content around uh, fundraising, marketing, album releases, building multiple streams of income and, and other topics. Um, and so YouTube is Rod Vester. And lastly, if you forgot everything I just said, <laughs> you can go to my website, rodvester.com, and you can um, you know, connect to my Instagram and YouTube and everything from my website. Thanks. And we will post those links with the episode. You can read the full article, The Dangers of Returning to a Monochromatic Arts World, in the summer 2021 issue of Chamber Music Magazine. And the online issue is available to read now at chamber-music.org. This episode of CMA Talks was produced for Chamber Music America by myself, Nicole Knight, and Orchid McRae, our digital content editor, who also composed our intro and outro music. Musical interlude performed by Rod Vester. Additional production assistance was provided by our summer intern, Anna Nordmo. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.